Owning a small business can be overwhelming. How can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. There's so many places to reach customers. Email, text messages, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, live events. The list goes on. How are you, as the business owner, expected to own all of those channels? That's where Constant Contact comes in to help. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. I use this to grow my email list, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Earl! Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hello, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here. And if you're listening on the Purple Insider feed, we are sharing this episode that we do every week on a separate feed, Hot Routes. Uh, It's spelled with a Z at the end. So if you enjoy this episode talking about the entire league, make sure you go over there and you subscribe. Or if you're watching us on YouTube for the first time, go over there, subscribe. You can listen to every episode. We do it once a week, kick around a bunch of things around the NFL and have a lot of fun in a five-question format. So uh, hopefully you enjoy what we're doing here. So good evening to you, Jonathan Harrison. And uh, we have... A really crazy week in the NFL. I mean, every week this year has been pretty nuts, but um, I almost feel like we need a weekly what uh, what is going on with Trevor Lawrence update since we yes. declared him the next best thing. And then we we're like, oh, maybe not. Maybe we screwed up. And then it's like, no, wait, wait a minute. Now he is. Uh, what, what a roller coaster. I mean, you can almost pick. Isn't it wild how you can almost pick any quarterback or any team? except for maybe Kansas City, although Kansas City did lose to Indianapolis at one point this year. But you can almost pick any team and talk about what a crazy season it's been for them. Like, I was thinking about the Dallas Cowboys, and, like, Cooper Rush was playing at one point. Like, there were actual human beings wondering, like, should they just stick with Cooper Rush? Like, at one point of their season, and now, you know, they look like one of the best contenders in the league. Uh, It's just just been a crazy season, and you can almost – just look around uh, on a week to week basis and go, what happened with, ha- you know, half of these games almost? What even happened here? All of a sudden, Detroit goes from one in six to now having a legitimate chance to making the playoffs after beating the Vikings. Like, that's just emblematic of what kind of year it's been. And the Vikings, I mean, you know, we talk about them, of course, on Purple Insider all the time, but just even think about the fact that we're making history with that team on a weekly basis by having a negative point differential, but being 10 and three, I mean, just, just all sorts of examples. The 49ers we're going to talk about with the playoff matchups and they're on their third quarterback and they've won both games with him. And now he's banged up. So it might even have to be Josh Johnson playing. I don't think that's going to happen, but how crazy is that? Josh Johnson who's with his fourth stint with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. Over his insane career of trying to play for every single NFL team. And uh, he actually got in the game against Tom Brady. Like if I told you before the season, Brock Purdy beats Tom Brady by 20 
whatever number of points it was. Was it 28? 28, 28 points. Yeah. Is how much Brock Purdy beat Tom Brady. You'd have been like, oh, come on. I mean, the NFL is officially just completely broken and uh, it, I can't get enough of it. So another fun week, Jonathan. Absolutely. And it started off with an absolute banger on Thursday night for between the Raiders and the Rams and seeing Baker Mayfield all of 24 hours or whatever it was in Los Angeles. And he leads a come from behind win for the Rams and keeps their season somewhat alive. But like the, it, the weeks, as you mentioned, just keep getting crazier and crazier. Josh Johnson uh, getting in for the 49ers, Sam Darnold leading the Panthers to another win uh, to almost a win within or a game within the playoffs for the Panthers who at the start of the season we all wrote in as the number one draft pick team or the number one team in the draft. And now they just fire Matt rule. And all of a sudden, Oh wow. Look, they're immediately better. Shocker. How, how weird how that works. And yeah, the Raiders, they had a nice winning streak going on before that, that Rams game to get back into contention, their playoff contention, Uh, small hope of it for them. But yeah, this season just continues to impress with the weird storylines and weird things that just pop up week in and week out. Yeah, the Tennessee Titans uh, falling apart, firing their general manager, and then getting smoked again. So, I mean, there's an endless amount of storylines, and we will just uh, scratch the surface here with our five questions. But I think the best part or uh, the best place to start is looking at some of the matchups if the playoffs started today. Now, there's still a lot to be determined, but this could very well be how it goes. I think that Los Angeles, the Chargers, of course, will get into the playoffs and that New England will not, especially with their offense just looking like uh, – somebody said the other day, it was quite quite good, I think it was Doug Kide, former PFF guy, who said, like, what's Matt Patricia's favorite part of a window? It's the screen, right? Because their <laughs> offense is just screen after screen after screen, and yet they keep finding ways to win because they have a, a really, really good defense. Um, and on the other side, Seattle, Detroit, these teams have – very legitimate chances to get in. I'm not buying the Giants at all, but I want to look at it if it finished exactly the way it does today and kind of how um, some of those things could play out. So I'll, I'll put it like this. I want you to pick, Jonathan, your favorite potential matchups, but you can include the teams that also might get in. So you don't have to do exactly. I know I, I kind of wanted to do a if the playoffs start today, but there's so many teams that are right there on the cusp particularly the Chargers, who I feel like are going to surge a little bit since they've got uh, mm-hmm. healthier recently. And obviously, Justin Herbert played as well as you can play the other night against Miami. So give me your favorite first-round matchups, including if some of those other teams get it. I think if we're going to go with that kind of criteria for it, if the Chargers sneak in over the Patriots and everything else stays the same in the AFC, seeing the Chiefs and Chargers go at it for a third time – I will never tire of that quarterback matchup. I will never tire of those two quarterbacks just going at it. And thankfully they're in the same division. So we get to see it two times a year for probably the next decade and a half. So seeing Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert go at it, or if the chiefs overpass the bills and we get bills chargers out in snowy Buffalo, man, that would be exciting with those two quarterbacks and their arms going at it. So I I think whatever, if the chargers can sneak in and whoever they have to face, between the Bills and the Chiefs. It's going to be exciting as all hell in that first round. Uh, Looking at the NFC, I think if we're looking at it from probably a worst worst game, it's probably going to be whoever the Bucs play because whoever the Bucs play is just going to trounce them. And right now, if 
it finished today like it's supposed to, it's going to be Bucks Cowboys, and the Cowboys are just going to wreck house. There's no way I see the Bucks winning that one with how they looked against the 49ers. Just complete no show from them. Uh, that one is going to be the easiest matchup to call of the wild card weekend. How funny is it though that the Bucks would get to play at home? <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing for the NFL. Sorry, Cowboys. I mean, if the cow, I don't know that the Cowboys will win out, but let's say they get twelve wins. You got twelve. The team you're facing got seven, and you have to travel. I mean, that's just they're at very least the NFL could do that. At very least, the NFL could change it so the team with the better record gets to play at home, regardless yeah. of whether they won the division. If you want to guarantee or continue to guarantee these playoff spots for division winners, I'm still against that. I still think it should just be the best records. Why does a team that played better football over the entire season have to sit at home and watch the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are just a flat out atrocity? I'll never understand that, but they probably won't ever change that. Like they want the division thing to really matter. And they like, they've changed a lot of rules over the years. And that one Mm -hmm. seems like it's not even up for grabs. Like it's not even part of the discussion, but could you at least allow the Cowboys to be at home if they have to play that one? Uh, Anyway, that's a rant I've given before and probably will give again. But for me, the Baltimore Ravens and Miami Dolphins at the three, six could just be an incredible matchup. Assuming Lamar Jackson's back at 100%. But remember what happened last time. It was basically Tua's a coming out party as a great NFL quarterback. Although it was kind of concerning what happened against Los Angeles. He looked like maybe he wasn't healthy. He wasn't throwing the football. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't comfortable, but assuming that, you know, everything is at hundred percent for both of those teams with the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson versus Tua, two teams that played one of the games of the year this season where Baltimore was way ahead. Tua brought Miami back. Like that one could be a fireworks show. And I also feel like Baltimore is sort of the forgotten team this year as far as contenders go. Like when people talk about the contenders in the AFC, uh, finally the Bengals are starting to get some buzz, it seems, as one of those legitimate contenders. I think early in the season, and we're wrong on this show about lots of stuff as we started (laughs) – you know, talking about Trevor Lawrence and the wild ride that that's been. But like from the very beginning of the season, it seemed like, okay, don't forget about the Bengals because they lost a couple of close games to good teams. They had a very difficult schedule Mm -hmm. to start the season and they had put together a whole new offensive line. And so now they're really starting to come together. And it seems like their offense is just gelling, even with injuries. They had, they missed Jamar Chase for a while. I think, what was it, T Higgins that was out? for part of their game last week. And yet, and Joe Mixon was out at times and they've just powered through and they have a quarterback that goes right up there uh, with Josh Absolutely. Allen and with Patrick Mahomes. And man, when you start looking at this AFC, just the quarterbacks, I mean, sorry, Mac Jones, but if Herbert makes it, I mean, wow, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Jackson, Burrow, the way that two is playing, he could win MVP. That is like, in comparison to the NFC, uh, you know, a little bit different there, but I mean, just, just an incredible group of quarterbacks that are going to make the AFC playoffs. So there should be a lot of great matchups, but that Baltimore Miami one uh, stands out to me. Now on the NFC side, this one is a little bit harder for the first round. I am so intrigued by the San Francisco 49ers, but think about this potential matchup. Brock Purdy versus Taylor Heineke. It's it's like the twisted version of the other thing. We're talking about like, oh, you know, Lamar Jackson and Burrow and all that. And then, well, you know, a 
third stringer and a second <laughs> stringer facing off with each other. Um, I w- what you'd really want to see here, I think, is Detroit get into the playoffs and the Vikings in Detroit play again, Ooh, and, and that yeah. could that could be fireworks because you look at the way that Kirk Cousins played against Detroit. I mean, he just always has great games against Detroit. And Detroit, of course, has this offense that is really explosive. Now, you're if you're Minnesota, you'd much rather see the New York Giants that <laughs> yes. don't have an explosive offense. But for entertainment value, you can't do much better than two teams with severely flawed defenses, tons of talent on offense, Justin Jefferson setting records, Detroit's throwing passes to their tackle. I mean, that's <laughs> it just could be it just could be a phenomenal matchup. And it's I, I know that you were struggling, so you talked about the one you didn't want to see because there's not many other great matchups here. I mean, if it's San Francisco, Washington, San Francisco, Seattle could be kind of interesting, but I guess I'm looking at Seattle as the team that sort of got hot and overachieved, but is probably going to fade here down the stretch. And it's just not going to be a very good team in, in the playoffs at the six or the seven slot or the four slot. I mean, it's really like a four team rate or it should be. It should be. You never know. There are upsets, but it feels like at this moment, it's more of a four team NFC and it's more of a six out of seven that you bet on in the AFC. Sorry, Tennessee Titans. Uh, I just don't think they're really legit at all. But aside from that, like everyone else in the AFC is, but I really think that that Minnesota and Detroit Lions matchup could be all sorts of fireworks. I guess I would say the same for Seattle. Like their defense is very flawed. They have great receivers and Geno Smith despite, you know, some rocky times last week. I mean, still putting up a lot of yards and playing good football. So I think whoever plays the Vikings, I mean, also think about it. They play every single game as close as possible. (laughs) Most of the time it's coming down to the very last moment. So whoever plays them, as long as it's not the Giants, because I don't think you want to see their passing game, as long Mm -hmm. as it's not the Giants, it could have a lot of intrigue to it. I guess I might have just shown my NFC bias there and the the fact that I've grown up in the NFC North uh, and not even thinking of the Detroit Lions as a, as a playoff team because in my lifetime they've been in the playoffs, what, like three times and it's been forever. So, yeah, I think if the Lions can get in, that's a heck of a role that they would have had to go on down the final stretches of the season to get in. So they'll have all the momentum. They'll get in knowing that, hey, we're just happy to be here. We don't care what happens next. So they'll just play with reckless abandon, which they've already done. And seeing Dan Campbell in the playoffs, can he control a game game clock like he's been unable to all season long? And just having that pressure on him, I would love to see the Lions in. And seeing them play the Vikings would be absolutely awesome, especially at U.S. Bank Stadium, which that place would be rocking for the playoffs with with those two offenses, as you said. So, yeah. I want to see the Lions get in. I don't want to see the Giants get in because of their offense. I, I like their head coach, but I just don't like the rest of that team right now. Maybe in a couple of years, I'll like the Giants and what they're doing. But right now, I, w- I would rather see the Lions over the Giants. Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants need either a different quarterback or some receivers. Uh, they've also had a lot of injuries on that team. Like, yeah. I think that they're just going to fall out of the playoffs is, is what's going to happen to them. And somebody else is making it, Seattle or Detroit, whoever wants it. Um, that uh, both races though, in the AFC and NFC have a lot to talk about at the end. Did you see the Dan Campbell story though, about throwing the pass to Penny Sewell? Dan, Dan Campbell said, he said he was watching the wave, the fans do the wave. And he heard his offensive coordinator say in his headset, Hey, do you want to run this play? Now they had practiced it. So he didn't yeah. just like go rogue, but 
he wasn't paying attention because he was watching the <laughs> wave. And he was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, there- and then they ran it. And he said, what the F? Like when he saw it, he said the same thing you did. Like, whoa, what? What did we just do? Is there so, a coach that you're least surprised about that was distracted by what's going on in the audience than Dan Campbell? I think that what I'm not surprised by is Dan Campbell admitting it. I doubt he's <laughs> yeah, the first fair. coach to ever have it happen where like someone said something in his headset and he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And didn't hear it or like those, these stadiums get insanely loud and you can't tell me that sometimes noise isn't pumped in to some of these, but right. Uh, or uh, built specifically to add the noise to the sidelines or whatever. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I mean, Dan Campbell just not caring at all and just coming out and saying that is pretty darn funny. So uh, I mean, it, it was one of the plays of the week for sure. And I saw somebody say, put it, make it the logo. <laughs> it oh scary. yeah. That Penny dive. Absolutely. Um, but that matchup would that matchup would be fire. Uh, next question for you: A friend of the show, uh, Zach from the Crackpot Podcast, which is uh, he he's a friend. He's they look into conspiracies in an investigatory way, not in a create conspiracies <laughs> way. I always have to say that every time I bring yep. up because he's a big fan of the show, just to make everybody sure. Like, no, I don't have like conspiracy theory friends or whatever. But um, he had a great question though. Uh, he sent it to me on Twitter. Just whose future is worse? the Denver Broncos or the Arizona Cardinals. And I guess I could add even sort of an addendum to this of like, what happens with Kyler Murray? Because I feel like the next time he plays, he might be in a different uniform, but it's also a a pretty hard answer to give. They wasted his rookie contract. End Mm -hmm. of story, like period. They just wasted it. That's that is worth its weight in gold in the NFL to have the rookie quarterback contract and you have to look no further than the team that's number one in the, in the NFC and the way that the Philadelphia Eagles have played 3d chess with that roster around Jalen hurts contract and they trade for AJ Brown. And then he's the difference maker to that offense. And they're able to sign everybody they want to sign, keep everybody they want to keep. And so Arizona not only does that, but they also commit a robbery of the Houston Texans and get DeAndre Hopkins, who is just flat out unbelievable when he's not fumbling the ball, holding it in one hand for some reason. I have no idea what he was doing. But at the same time, like they they got nowhere. I mean, they had a first round out in the playoffs, and that's all they were able to accomplish in the entire Kyler Murray era. And now if they, you know, they're going to go forward with this contract extension, everything gets harder. It doesn't get easier. And it looks like they're just locking themselves into Cliff Kingsbury as well, who I'm not convinced can coach. But I also think that Steve Kime is probably one of the worst general managers in football. It is a bad situation there. But I mean, for Denver, there is nothing you can do about Russell Wilson. And he's been injured multiple times. I already think that he was looking pretty washed physically where he can't get away from pass rushers anymore. Can't be the same Russell Wilson that he used to be. And I think that age has played maybe the biggest role in his fall off here, age and injuries, but there's nothing they can do. Who is worse, Jonathan? This is as you, as you've laid out there, this is a very tough uh, question to bring an answer to because of these situations that these two teams have found themselves in. I think for me, it breaks down to the general managers, as you pointed out. I have no faith that Steve Kime knows how to run an NFL team because as we've seen here in Minnesota and heard here in Minnesota, Patrick Peterson's stories and his grudge that he holds against Steve Kime, it clearly just the communication there from front office to players doesn't work clearly. And it seems like they are all in on Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury 
for whatever reason. I don't know what their ownership sees in that duo, but clearly it's not for wanting to win an NFL game or winning their conference because those two just don't seem to have that ability. And you look at the rest of that roster. It is a very, it's an older roster compared to the Broncos. If we're just taking these two rosters right next to each other, even Deandre Hopkins, he's 30 years old. He doesn't have a whole lot of time left. He's probably got another four years at most. And Deandre or, and uh, Kyler Murray, he's 25. So he's still got time. But if you're sticking with Kingsbury and Kime, I don't know what else you can do for for Murray to help him out there. Whereas George Patton in, in Denver, I trust him because he's shown that he can actually do stuff. Now the Russell Wilson trade is going to go against him for obvious reasons and it should, but before that, it seemed like he was one of the more up and coming general managers in the league. Everybody was praising him for the Von Miller decision. He, yes, they traded away all their draft picks. That's where I think the hits for the Broncos come in is the Russell Wilson contract and having to deal with him at his age and the fact that they literally don't have any picks for their next couple of years because they gave them all to Seattle. Now they've gotten a first round pick back, but it's the 49ers first round pick. So it's going to be a low draft pick in that first round. So I would lean more towards the Broncos have a better future because I trust their general manager more than I would ever trust Steve Kime with an NFL roster. This is a very hard question. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Lauren in the comments says that he thought that Wilson was going to make Denver relevant. And I totally agree. I mean, I, I don't think that anyone saw this coming, especially with just the way that he's looked. He's looked yeah. very uncomfortable, very frustrated, just like he can't escape anybody anymore, which is really wild when you think about it. I mean, this is a quarterback who is capable of running for five to 700 yards per year. And not only that, but think about all the highlight plays over the years where Russell Wilson would scramble around and he'd mm -hmm. be running around the pocket for 10 seconds, dodging tacklers and then find a receiver so much to the point, like people were writing articles about the chemistry between him and Tyler Lockett. When he goes off schedule, if he can't go off schedule, then he's like, Baker Mayfield. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like Baker Mayfield throws a very good deep ball, uh, but he can't really do anything else. And that's kind of what Russell Wilson is, is at at this point. The other thing, too, is maybe we need to look at those receivers in Seattle and give them a little credit for him being as good as he was even in recent years, because, mm -hmm. you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are now at the center of why Geno Smith is looking so good. And I, and I think that, you know, when you have uh, – a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes can overcome losing Tyreek Hill and you fill in the pieces and he's still great. Right. But I think most quarterbacks aren't like that, especially one like Russell Wilson, whose physical uh, elements have faded a little bit. And so now you need receivers who are open all the time. You need a system that's really working for him. You probably need a run game. And they've had none of that throughout the yeah. season. Like Latavius Murray is their best running back. They cut Melvin Gordon. Like, Everything on the offensive side has just gone wrong. And it's not like Mike Tomlin is their coach who can just drag everything out of that roster or, you know, whatever. So some coach who's been around for a long time, yeah. this is a noob trying to make this adjustment. And I think if there was a mistake, it, it was probably that like that they went with a coach who was so new. But I also think that the way that Wilson has looked, I'm not sure that anybody had any good answers for this like they were bringing in kind of a play action type of system that was supposed to work for him but receivers getting hurt or not being good jerry judy couldn't catch the football like they just just everything that could go wrong went wrong i could see though i could see a scenario 
where the Denver Broncos get Russell Wilson healthy. Let's say since he got concussed last week, let's just say he sits the whole rest of the year through a full off season. They draft a receiver. They sign a receiver. They maybe change offensive coordinators. They get, you know, maybe Garrett Bowles, their offensive lineman back. Let's just say like they've had a lot of things go wrong around Russell Wilson. Could you see him having a bounce back here? I think the answer is yes. Like even Tom Brady late in his career had a down season with the Patriots. We all declared him dead. And then he went to Tampa Bay and they had an unbelievable line, great receivers. And he bounced back. I can't see Arizona. If you mess this up, you, you aren't going to have anything work. And I think Arizona absolutely has to trade Kyler Murray, which is muddied by the fact that he's got now an ACL tear. So what you just have to kind of sit for most of next year because you get that ACL now, when are you coming back? Like you're coming back midway through next year. Um, But after that, so that's, so you're going to have to have a backup quarterback play half of the year next year. You're basically going to have to tank. There's really no other option. Yeah. And then trade Murray away or what? Like, I don't know. Like it just looks, it looks so miserable. Murray clearly doesn't want to be around Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury anymore. To me, there's just no world where that gets solved. Even as bad as it is for Denver to have moved all those draft picks, you could you feel like there could be solutions there that he doesn't have to be this washed, uh, that the circumstances may have played a role. But Arizona, my gosh, there is just no answer with the leadership they have. Mm-hmm. And now uh, now they have this problem with the ACL. So um, Sean asks in the chat if Kyler plays in Indianapolis next year, if he had his ACL, yeah, be like, I mean that if you're another team and, and I'm a little skeptical on this. Tyler Murray, the way he's handled all this, I've been very unimpressed and I kind of agreed with everything Patrick Peterson said about him, even if Patrick maybe shouldn't have said it. I <laughs> agreed with Patrick though. I thought like, man, the body language really strongly implying that your coaches, you know, can't scheme or whatever. I mean, these, these things show a lot of immaturity. And usually when people try to talk themselves around that, it's Baker Mayfield. It's Carson Wentz. It's like, no, that doesn't change. However, him going to another team that had a better, more stable setup. Yeah. I mean, he's been a really good quarterback at times throughout his career. And maybe you'd be, you'd be willing to take that chance if you're another team to trade for him, but I don't know what they're going to do with him. I I mean, he's got to be completely miserable with that situation. I also don't know that I'd consider Indianapolis a stable setup considering how they've handled this season and who their head coach is at this point. But yeah, I think all of this really comes down to leadership and we're seeing uh, Russell Wilson's leadership is coming into question as we've heard some of his former teammates come out, say they have to talk to his handlers to get a hold of him and which is ridiculous. And clearly what he's doing there in Denver isn't working for his teammates. Hence why they're getting in arguments on the sideline, which is never a good thing. And yeah, the Kyler Murray situation has always been troubling with his leadership, but it also feels like, as you mentioned, there's more solutions in Denver than there is in Arizona where they feel like it seems like that ownership is set, as I mentioned on Kime and Kingsbury. And it doesn't feel like I would, I would almost question whether, Nathaniel Hackett's still there in Denver next year because of how this has gone, that that might also be part of the solution. You mentioned a change in offensive coordinator. There also could possibly be a change in head coach because of how poorly it's gone with Nathaniel Hackett and how that offense is operating. He's supposed to be the offensive guy and it just hasn't looked good all, all season. So they might be in for a change at head coach for two seasons in a row. Right. No, great point. Yeah. On, on Hackett. And that's right. Make a change, potentially make a change there. I think that's probably got to come like this guy is clearly in over his head. Yeah. Uh, 
No, and and Arizona, they traded their first round pick for Marquis uh, Hollywood Brown last yeah. year. And for what? For him to drop open passes that would have been touchdowns from Colt McCoy to potentially win that game? I mean, that guy's just not even good. Like, I don't think that yeah. anyone has ever thought that that, like, oh, man, what I really need in my life is some Marquise Hollywood Brown. Like, he's an okay receiver who exists in the league but doesn't catch much. Like, A.J. Brown went for a first, an elite receiver. And then, like, that's who you're trading for a first. You just couldn't do worse. Their roster is so hopeless, at least with yeah. Denver – the defensive side of the ball is flat out excellent. And maybe you could see putting some things back around uh, Wilson and him getting healthy. I'm not saying that it's the great, great chance. It's still ugly when you're going to give away like the number two overall pick to another team. Um, Will Anderson, maybe, or do they pick a quarterback? I don't know. I'm not talking about draft season right now, but you know what I mean? So it's, it's an right. interesting, it's an interesting discussion. And I, I think a great question. Uh, the next question though uh, goes back, swings in the complete opposite direction from the ineptitude we were just discussing to coach of the year, Jonathan. Give me, uh, I'm sure that, you know, when I gave you the question, you probably just picked maybe one, but do you have like a top three? Yeah. Yeah. I, we talked about this question. I think, I think we talked about this question probably five, six weeks ago. And it, I was on the Kevin O'Connell bandwagon at that point. I've kind of, gotten off that bandwagon a little bit because I kind of agree with the point that you brought up five, six weeks ago. Don't go crazy with this. Keep it simple. It's either Sean McDermott or it's Nick Sirianni with how those two teams have played this season. And right now with how that front office has operated in Philadelphia and how that team has absolutely just run away with the NFC and the rest of the league, I would almost just hand it to Nick Sirianni right now. Cause I don't see them falling off. That team is just too incredibly dominant at this point in the season, they're running away from all their opponents. They're making what would normally be tough games like against the Titans. You thought that would be an absolute bloodbath. They ran away from the Titans and didn't, it didn't even look close. So I would go Nick Sirianni in a heartbeat here. Uh, number three for me would probably be with how, what they've had to deal with in San Francisco. It's got to be Kyle Shanahan as number three because of the quarterback situation, having to go through all three. Now you're making Brock Purdy look like an all-star talent at quarterback with that offense. I would put, I would put Kyle Shanahan as number three right now. Yeah, the Kevin O'Connell thing is an interesting discussion. Because if you look at the Vikings and uh, upcoming schedule, you have very beatable teams. I mean, all of them the rest of the way. I think the Giants are worse than where they stand right now. And Indianapolis is their next opponent. And then, you you know, you go the Packers and maybe you won't even care in, in week uh, 18. But you're talking about a team that was discussed as a little over 500. I think a lot of people picked them to finish second. So it's not like some wild overachievement, but it kind of is like if they end up with 13 wins uh, and winning next three of the next four is totally reasonable for this team. If not all four, I mean, if yeah. they end up with 14 wins when they were predicted maybe to win eight or nine, like I know that it's interesting to follow the Vegas lines throughout the off season. The Vegas lines actually started to creep up as we got closer uh, to the season. But when they initially came out, it was kind of like eight and a half, you know, they thought, okay, it's going to be kind of a 500 team here and they've overachieved by so much. Now you can look at the point differential and you could say, well, Hey, I mean, maybe they're not like really that team, but you are what your record says you are. And if you weren't talented enough, at least on paper to be a 13 win team and your coach got you there, 
There's got to be some credit for that. You miss mm-hmm. the playoffs two years in a row, and then you come back. I think if they had gotten a win against one of the big teams that they faced, because their schedule has been a lot of teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. So if they had gotten a win against either Dallas or Philly, I think he'd, Kevin O'Connell would have a great chance with 13 wins to be that overachieving team. Sirianni is is clearly the the obvious pick here, but you know sometimes the league likes to go, or the voters, I should say, like to yeah. go with someone who just overachieved as opposed to the most obvious pick. Sean McDermott really deserves a lot of credit here, man. I mean, for me, he's number one because that team, because they have Josh Allen, everyone's just like, well, they have Josh Allen. So like, whatever. Yeah. They have lost so many guys on defense. I mean, their two safeties are like big time stars, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They just drive that defense. Those guys have been out and they've had cornerbacks out. They've had a weakness on the offensive side with their receivers. Uh, Their offensive line is not what it used to be. They lost their offensive coordinator, who was like Josh Allen's guy in Brian Dable, and he leaves in the offseason, and we're looking at them. Not only are they 10-3, and they still have one of the best point differentials in the league, and I feel like Sean McDermott almost never gets talked about. Uh, Another guy who's been through a lot and never really comes up often is uh, John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. The same sort of deal. They've been through a lot like Lamar Jackson, the contract stuff and uh, the injuries. And, and they're sitting there at nine and four. Like, I think that he's done a very good job, even though he's not going to get a lot of run. And uh, I don't know where to put like Pete Carroll or Robert Sala or Ron Rivera. Like all these guys have and, and Brian Dable too. all these guys have just like outperformed what we thought they were going to be. And it's just hard to get them past the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianni because they've been so good. And if Philly, I think Philly will lose one or two more of their games, but let's say Philly ends up with 14 wins. I mean, you just can't go another direction, but the Washington football team and Ron Rivera, I mean, not only are you playing a backup quarterback, but you are also talking about a team that is under investigation by the real government. Yes. Come on. (laughs) You had a player shot. I mean, seriously, like a starting player who's good for you was shot at the beginning of the year. I mean, this team has had so many distractions and making the playoffs, I think would be an incredible accomplishment for Ron Rivera. And he would deserve a lot of credit for that. So, and Hey, look, if the Detroit lions were stored for is man Campbell, not in the, (laughs) in that conversation. Like, Hey, Hey, it's how many, I would love to see this. How many teams that start one in six have ever, have ever even made anything of their season? I mean, I've got to say almost none. So that all that leadership and Dan Campbell stuff like that team believed. And I know you, you can't stand this guy, but we have not mentioned Mike McCarthy, you know, half the beginning of the season with a backup quarterback and they still have an outside chance in winning that division. Uh, I also agree with LC in the comments about, a smart move for Buffalo bringing back Cole Beasley as much as uh, I have some questions about his social media. Uh, he is good in the slot and they are short on that one extra receiver. And if there's one thing that's going to get them, it's their, their over reliance on Stefan Diggs because they just don't have the same talent. And that's the thing. Like they lost Emmanuel Sanders. They lost Cole Beasley. Like that team is not as good as last year and they're sitting here 10 and three. So uh, how about this one? Who's the worst coach of the year? Who's the wooden spoon coach of the year award? Is it Nate Hackett? Is it Cliff Kingsbury? I feel like those are two pretty good nominations. I think before the Raiders went on the run, 
Josh McDaniels had to be up there with what they were doing. I mean, you you bring in Devontae Adams, you bring in the supposed offensive guru of New England, and he they do nothing. They look atrocious at times, but they went on a run, so I think Josh McDaniels kind of saved himself from that one. I think, yeah, you're right. It has to be it, it has to be the guys in uh yeah, it has Matt Rule. Arizona and Denver, you mean yeah, yeah. Arizona and Denver. Would, would Matt Rule deserve to be in there if the bank if the Panthers are able to sneak above the the Buccaneers and get into the playoffs by basis yeah. of winning their conference? Matt Rule was the team was the guy holding them back. One hundred percent. I know he was fired, but he deserves to be the winner of the wooden spoon of the coach of the year. How about if Sam Darnold wins them a bunch of games, gets into yes. the playoff? I mean, yeah, yeah. Then then it'll look like, hey, maybe it was there for Sam Darnold and Matt Rule was just holding them back. He was holding back everybody. That's No, I think that's right. Like, it seems too obvious because he got fired, but that team is competitive. And I think we talked about this early in the year. Like, I don't think they're without talent. Like, right. uh, we saw J.C. Horn make a big play last week. Like, they've drafted guys on defense high and – they just did not want to play for Matt Rule at no. all. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll check back in on that question as well. That's one of that I think um, you're always kind of shuffling those standings of how we feel about the coaches. But uh, Jeff in the comments with Nate Hackett, yeah, I mean it's hard to go another direction than than Nate Hackett for the worst coach of the year. Uh, all right, so Justin Jefferson might break the receiving record in 17 games rather than 16, which was set by Calvin Johnson. Uh, are there records you care about in the NFL when it comes to the 16-17 game thing, or just like in general, like baseball is the record sport. That's where they mm-hmm. care so much about this. You don't hear a lot of discussion about NFL records. So are there records that you care about and what is a record? And it doesn't have to be a full season one, but just in general in football that you think is nuts. Like what's, what's one that you, that blows your mind every time you hear it. I think for, for to answer the first part of that question, the records that I kind of think that shouldn't be thought of the same from a 17 game season to a 16 game season are the passing records, especially with how the game is played today and teams passing more often than not. I think those records definitely look different with an extra game. Yes, some of those teams that will have the higher or higher pass or the quarterbacks with those higher numbers will probably sit that last week, so it'll still be 16 games for them. But I don't know. I I feel weird talking about a quarterback passing for 5,000 yards in a 17 game season as opposed to a 16 game season. I know it's only one game, but it still just feels it feels different. It feels a little bit less I don't want to say worthless because it's still 5,000 yards it's still incredible number to throw for in the season but it feels like there's a little bit less prestige with it than there was with the 16 game season as for the number the record that always seems wild to me it'll always be the running the rushing record all-time rushing record just because it's so many yards you have to put in so much of you have to have longevity at running back which is an un which you don't get often anymore and you don't get it all anymore so it's never going to be broken. Also, the single season sack record is always incredible because that means you're on every single game. And we and we've seen over the years that you can ha- you can have a guy who is just rushing like Zadarius Smith in in Minnesota. He can be taken out of games at a time, and we've seen that time and time again with elite rushers that they'll be taken out of games. But if you set that season record, you have to be on every single game, having multiple sacks a game. It's just. That's such a tough thing to do. That one's always wild to me. And when guys get that close to it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, Emmett Smith will never be touched there uh, with the all-time rushing record, that's for sure. The single game one for me is Flipper Anderson. 336 yards receiving in a single game will never be touched, even with all the great receiving that we have. Think about what Justin Jefferson did last week. 223. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just everywhere. The man was everywhere. Like Every play was Justin Jefferson going for 40 yards, it felt like. And he got not even a hundred yards within the record of flipper Anderson of all people. (laughs) And uh, I've watched the game before it's on YouTube. If you want to go see it, it's as crazy as you think, like for whatever reason, the new Orleans saints defense was just slow. I think. And flipper Anderson was like the fastest player in the league. They just kept throwing it to him. and just kept running by them. It made no (laughs) sense. It's so funny to watch. It's crazy. Uh, So that, that one is, is worth going to see. I also think that the single game rushing record, which is two ninety six, is it Uh, never again? No, no one runs enough. No one runs enough to even get that many big plays. Even if a team hit on two 80 yard touchdowns and the guy had 160 yards, he still wouldn't rush enough to get to 295. I just can't see any team dedicating to the run enough. Even 200-yard games, they used to happen from time to time, and they almost never happen now. I don't even know if there's been one all year. Maybe Derrick Henry? I think Derrick Henry had one when Malik Willis started, but I could be wrong if he even got to 200. So it just never happens. We'll probably never see that again. So those are kind of my favorite, those single-game crazy records. I like where you're going with that uh, quarterback thing where 5,000 yards used to be this, hey, will anyone even ever reach this or anyone ever get back there to 5,000 yards? And, you know, Drew Brees did it a couple times. It's like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, but now it just means kind of nothing. Like, you, yeah. okay, well, like the league leader should get to around 5,000 and that's, you know, all right, okay, cool. So it's that's really lost its luster as far as the other records, though, that one extra game does not, to me, like take away from them. First, because someday we'll have 18 of these. It's almost a yeah. guarantee that we'll have 18 games at some point. Uh, the owners are not going to let, like, people will show up to the games and everybody will watch them. So the owners are going to push that all the way to the max and they'll give concessions to the players. Someday that'll happen. So why complain about it now? Uh, but also, you know, when people broke records, when it went from 16 to 14, OJ Simpson ran for over 2000 yards at 14. It was the only thing he's notable for in his entire life, I think. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but, but, you know, there was like a, some of discussion with that, like, oh, well he did it in 14. Other people did it in 16, yeah. but it's sort of a footnote more than anything. Like the record is the record. It's the same with Roger Maris. Like yeah, everybody knows Babe Ruth and one fifty four. who cares? Like move on. So uh, yeah, I don't really, I mean, if Justin Jefferson breaks the record from Calvin Johnson, he's got the record. There's nothing you can change about that. And I think the, possibly- the only, the only asterisks to the passing records that we are talking about is maybe the single season touchdown passing because getting 50 is just a crazy number. Tom Brady did it and it was like, what the heck is going on here? How is he getting 50? And Patrick Mahomes did it a couple of years ago. I think getting 50 in one season is just a ridiculous amount. Cause that's what like three a game you have to have. And teams will at some point understand, Oh, they're just going to pass and pass and pass. We have to stop them. And they'll start lining up to stop you and you have to do it. And if you're throwing that many touchdown passes, you're certainly at the top of the league, so you're probably going to take a couple weeks. You're probably going to take a week off, so you're doing it in 16 games again. Man, getting 50 touchdown passes in a single season is ridiculous as well. I think that's that's the only one I'd say for the passing numbers that will still always be crazy to me. 
All right. So last question for you. And uh, we'll just try not to go back to Denver on this question. But <laughs> uh, if you could go back in time at the beginning of the season. So let's not, the, the Wilson thing is an off season. So not even quite, not even off. I want week one. And you were to tell a team, Hey, this is going to happen. Be careful or watch out for this. Like, let's say you get in the DeLorean, you go back in time and you can warn a team, Hey, don't do this. This is going to happen. If you do this or you should do that, what would it be? I think I'd go back in time and tell Ron Rivera. Yes. I know you traded for Carson Wentz. Do not start him. They were what one in four when Tyler he- Taylor Heineke took over, and they've lost once, and they've tied once since he took over. Why would you try and do Carson Wentz when he clearly was? They didn't want him in Indianapolis, and that's a team that specifically brought him in because Frank Reich thought he could get him up, get something out of him again, and just they couldn't. So they're just like, all right, this guy's uncoachable. He's got baggage. Washington's like, sure, bring him in. And you had a guy who got you to the playoffs last year. Yes, he may not be the greatest quarterback in the world, but clearly the team responds to him. And Washington has responded to him this season. They're back in the playoff race. They'll probably make the playoffs at this point. I would tell Washington, don't start Carson Wentz. I know you gave away draft picks for him, but no, go stick with Taylor Heineke. I think one I would probably tell Miami, don't put Tua back in. Yes. Like even, even though he's come back and he's played well, every time he has a bad game and the last two games have been pretty bad for him. You just wonder like, Hey, is there any lingering effects? Or you always think this guy could take them deep in the playoffs. They're good enough, but he's one hit away. Like right with already Mm -hmm. two concussions. If you have three in a season, that's very dangerous for your career. So, you know, to, to just take, take him, take him out of that game. Of course it's, been brought up on the show before but uh hey bill belichick <laughs> get, a, get a real offensive coordinator okay because honestly like that team with a real offensive coordinator what two more wins they're probably like a nine win team right now their defense mm-hmm. is amazing i would tell the jets start mike white he can play like he's yep. not great i don't think but he can play like zach wilson same thing if they start mike white instead of zach wilson they might be a completely different team right now. Um, so that's, that's an interesting one. I guess I'd have to think about the others, but those are the first two that came to mind for me is like, I guess those are all AFC East ones. Um, I think I would tell the Cowboys with how everything's played out over the past couple of weeks with Odell Beckham jr. And T Y Hilton. Don't wait for Odell Beckham jr. Because it's not going to work out. Just get T Y Hilton in right away. So you have that third guy, you have another option there at wide receiver instead of relying on CD lamb all season long, give you, give yourselves another option and maybe you win a game or two when you're, you have a better chance of winning the NFC East than you do right now. I wouldn't, I would tell them don't wait on Odell Beckham jr. Because that injury is going to hold them out for probably the rest of this season. Okay. Two, two more. I came up with, uh, I would lean in to Justin Fields ear and I would just say, run. Yes. <laughs> run. If you yes. run, you'll win. And they're not winning of course, because their team is horrendous, but he looks like a potential franchise quarterback now because he started running halfway through the season. Like maybe they could have made it interesting and wouldn't have traded all their defensive players, uh, but they're in a better spot. I would probably lean into the Atlanta Falcons and say, just play Desmond Ritter. You stink like Marcus <laughs> Mariota, Marcus Mariota, who now has decided he's like quitting on the team or whatever. He didn't play that terribly. They won a couple of games. Like that's not what you wanted. You were yeah. tanking when you traded away Matt Ryan. 
Uh, there's yeah, there's probably that. And I, and I would say to Aaron Donald and uh, Sean McVay, retire, just yeah. retire. And Matt Stafford, just retire. Go out on top, all of you. Like Aaron Donald will still probably be great for like seven more years. But <laughs> remember that like on Super Bowl Sunday, there's whoever reporter down on the field saying all of these guys might retire after this game if they win. Yeah. And of course, none of them did. But Sean McVay probably regrets it at this point, like not just calling it a day and walking away after the Super Bowl like John Madden did once upon a time as a as a pretty darn young guy. And with Stafford, I actually feel bad about the way, I mean, if his career is over now, them picking up Mayfield kind of signals we're looking at next year for Mayfield. Mm -hmm. He's had multiple concussions this season. That is a guy who is just a walking infirmary. Like he has had so many injuries throughout his career and played through more injuries last year, got beat up at times in the middle of the season, actually played pretty poorly when he was beat up last year. If he had just walked out on top, said, hey, I proved everybody wrong. I'm in my mid thirties. Like my body's broken. We'll see ya. Uh, that would have been better. But now, I mean, if he comes back, like, I don't even know like what's going to be left of Stafford. There. probably not the same quarterback that he even was a couple of years ago. And once guys are in their thirties, it happens fast with them falling off as we've seen from Russell Wilson. So I would probably just tell them all except for maybe Aaron Donald, but even the, that team is just, we talk about who's got a worse future. Who's got a worse future than the Rams? Like other than the, the Cardinals for sure. And Denver's in a tough spot, but the Rams have no future. You give yeah. away all you say, bleep them picks. You better win. And they did because otherwise you are bleeped. I mean, mm -hmm. and then look at that roster. Like they have Jalen Ramsey and nobody else in the secondary. Uh, their offensive line is just completely turned to dust. Cooper cup gets hurt and you have no receivers. They're trying to pick up the ghost of Allen Robinson. Like, <laughs> they've got nothing they've got yeah. nothing they haven't drafted like particularly well uh when they have taken picks like tutu atwell i mean they are just they are just a, a pile for the future so uh i would probably tell them like don't put yourself through this like just enjoy the enjoy the ride everybody find a booth to get in and uh yeah you know be a broadcaster so um anyway well this was fun jonathan as always hot routes and uh, again if you're listening on the purple insider podcast feed i'm putting this episode in there to give people an idea what we're doing with hot routes if you're watching on youtube go to wherever you get your podcasts type in hot routes and uh, you'll get this here show once a week we do it every tuesday night or if you just want to pop in and continue to watch us every tuesday night live here uh, we always have a good time so thank you for your time jonathan and uh, thanks everybody for watching appreciate all you guys